Live Internet Talk Radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, Join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Well, welcome this afternoon. This is our monthly show. I'm Dr. Connie. I'd like to welcome you back to Listening In. I always look forward to this time of month. It's a good thing to have it a monthly show, something I can think about and focus upon. And first of all, let me start off with my honorable mentions. Today is a very special little guy's birthday. My grandson, Alexander Mariano Stevens, is one year old today. So happy birthday, Alex. And also his father, my son, Andrew Stevens, who's in studio with me today. His birthday is in two days, so happy birthday ahead of time. Uh, you know, I think about birthdays, and, and it's really is, you look at the circle of life, and this show was planned several months ago in terms of the theme about the final chapter in life, and we're, we're not wrapping up the show. I was just thinking, gee, you know, we ought to do a show where I talk about hospice and invite somebody, someone in who is a, who's an expert about hospice, because I work with the hospice folks a lot, with my patients who are at that final phase. So we were planning this chapter, and lo and behold, one of my former beloved patients decided to pass two days ago. And you probably know who that is. It's, she's very well known to America. She's former First Lady Barbara Bush. In honor of her memory, I am wearing uh, my Barbara Bush pearls. They're not three strands. They're only two, Mrs. Bush. But I, I'm thinking about you, especially today, you know, my condolences to your sweet husband, uh, President Bush, and to your wonderful family. So I am dedicating this show to the memory of a really great American and the former first lady of mine, uh, Barbara Bush. She was actually the first first lady I've ever met and taken care of. I, I met her in 1992 when I was the Navy doctor at the White House, came in to take care of her husband. But I traveled with her to Kenny Bunkport traveled around the country with her, took care of her at Camp David and her family, and got to know her pretty well. And And when news came out about her passing, I had shared so many stories with, with patients and friends, because everybody has great stories about Barbara Bush and her wicked sense of humor and her feistiness. And the last time I saw her was probably seven or eight years ago. She came to Arizona to do a charity event. And they welcomed her into the room. It was a luncheon with many ladies. I was seated at her table, so I actually sat, she sat beside me. We sat together, and we were chatting away. And the servers brought over a glass of ice water with a lemon wedge over to her. They placed it in front of her, and she looks at me and says, you know, did you read what was in the paper that these lemon wedges aren't too sterile? They're, they could have bacteria. And so she took off her, her lemon wedge, placed it on the table beside her glass. Well, I, I copied that. I imitated her, so I did that. And the lady beside me did that, and the lady beside her did that. It was almost like a chain reaction did that. So we all followed suit for Mrs. Bush. And I think of all those stories about her and how genuine she was. She was the real deal. And as I was reading all the tributes, there was one particular one that really captured her spirit. I'm going to share that with you today. It was actually written by, by my friends of the Wall Street Journal uh, the day after she passed. And let me share with you the editorial, because I thought it was so well written. 
And I think part of it is it's the fantastic story of her life. Her life and the life of her husband is what makes great movies. And it, you know, is a different generation, the greatest generation. But let me read this to you. It says, when Barbara Pierce married a dashing World War II pilot who had painted her name on his plane, she likely had no idea the kind of history they would make together. Mrs. George Herbert Walker Bush would stay devoted to his side until Tuesday when she died of complications from lung and heart disease at age 92. 73 years of marriage is itself an achievement few could match. Mrs. Bush said she would tell her children she married the first man she ever kissed. And actually, I was in the room one time. She was telling me, Connie, I want you to know, I married the only man I ever kissed. And when I tell my children that, they want to vomit. <laughs> That's exactly the way she says it. But it wasn't without her share of heartache. One of her six children, Robin, died of leukemia before her fourth birthday. Mrs. Bush was combing Robin's hair, holding her hand, when she said she saw her spirit go. Over her long and extraordinary life, Mrs. Bush took on her own place in American history. She was, her husband was, uh, she was the wife of the 41st president and the mother of the 43rd president and two governors. More than one commentator in 2000 thought that George Walker Bush won in part because voters believe they detected some, some part of Barbara Bush's integrity and steel. And I think W. President Bush once said, I got my father's eyes and my mother's mouth. Uh, there were une there was times that were difficult for her, both she and her husband. Um, uh, actually, sh her husband and son would be war presidents. Uh, there was strain, there was sorrow, there was unfairness that went with that. In 1990, when she was invited to give the commencement address at Wellesley College, a group of students whined that somebody best known as a wife and mother was not their idea of modern women. Char Character characteristically, the then First Lady refused to let the slight bother her, and she delivered an address that was at once gracious and clever. And this is what Mrs. Bush, Bush said. Somewhere out in this audience may be even someone who will one day follow in my footsteps and preside over the White House as the President's spouse, and I wish him well. So that is classic Barbara Bush. God bless you, Mrs. Bush. You're up in heaven getting them all squared away up there. But I know Robin was the one who greeted you. So as I talk about this final chapter, you know, I think of her, of her, her life and how we really heard the announcement a few days ago where she, the news came out through her spokesman, Jim McGrath, that she had declined further aggressive treatment and decided to receive comfort care. So you knew the end was near, right? Most people think that that's what's going to happen. So, and we've seen this many times in my practice. And I think for me as a physician, as an internist, and for many of my patients, I'm their last doctor, letting go is the hardest thing. And, and telling them, I can't help you anymore in traditional terms of medicine. I have no more to treat you. But there's, there's more I can give you in terms of helping usher your way into the next life through into death and it really talking about death is really hard because we're programmed to keep people alive and I think our guest one of our guests today is going to help us understand that better that it isn't giving up it's providing a better quality of care aimed to people who are actively dying and I think it's important for us to know that I, I remember when I was rounding as, a, as an intern one time and we we're working with a patient dying in the hospital and you know, when you, you don't really give up, but someone says, my, the doctor told me, when God puts his hands on my patient, I take my hands off. But I've added to that, 
before I take my hands off, I hand them over to hospice because I really believe hospice and the care that's provided to these people as they're dying does so much for them, but also does a lot for the family who's there by their side. So we're really honored today to have in studio Lynn Sue Cooney, who many people know her. She's beautiful. She was a news anchor for many years here in the Valley. Uh, it's too bad we're radio because you can see how beautiful we are here in studio. <laughs> but uh, she's director of community engagement at Hospice of the Valley. She oversees marketing, fund development, volunteers, and creative services. Before she worked at hospice, she spent 31 years as a newscaster for 12 News. Now, instead of delivering the latest headlines, she connects our community to the compassion care provided by one of the largest not-for-profit hospices in the country. She grew up in Great Falls, Montana, and she's an <laughs> Air Force brat, so good military <laughs> brat. She graduated cum laude from Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, and received her uh, MSJ from Med, uh, Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University. Uh, she and her very spoiled standard poodle Max are a pet therapy team, and pets are great. It's one of the oh. secrets of longevity is to have a pet. Uh, they're one of that uh, the team for Hospice of Valley, and they love cheering up patients and their families. So thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here today to tell our audience all about Hospice, Lynn Sue. Oh, it's my pleasure, Connie. And I kind of wish there was a camera in here, too, because between the two of us, we do have three strands of pearls. <laughs> oh, good for us. <laughs> there you go, Barbara. We're honoring you. Yes. Can you tell us, tell, tell the audience what hospice care is? Oh, it is the most comforting it's like wrapping and embracing not just a patient but all of the family members in comfort care support which is emotional it's not just medical it's emotional it's social because people stop coming by at some point and it's uh, spiritual so all of that alienation that goes on when someone you love is dying and the grief that you feel the anticipatory grief you feel as you see the process advance um, especially in a case of dementia, mm -hmm. where they're here but they're really not here. It's a tough road to hoe by yourself. Having someone who's trained, who understands progression of disease, that can prepare you emotionally for what's going to happen makes the journey so much easier. Doing it alone is, why would anyone want to do that? You know, we sit there and we plan what school our child's going to go to and we research which is the best car to buy and where we should buy a house. But when it comes to the end of our life, we pretend we're never going to die and we don't want to talk about it and we certainly don't want to plan. Mm -hmm. And so we get to that point and no decisions are made about making it as beautiful as the rest of our life was. Well, how do families or patients you know, get hold of you? How do they get referred? Well, it, there's lots of ways to get referred. You know. Um, a family may just say, we think mom probably should go on hospice now. A doctor can have that conversation and say hospice care is probably appropriate now. Um, a lot of times the patient is ready, but the family says, no, grandma, don't give up. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just being physically ready. It's being emotionally ready uh, to stop the curative treatment of a terminal disease, which cannot be cured, and saying, I'm going to now have comfort care. And you get to a point where the curative is not helping you extend mm -hmm. your life. It is actually shortening it. And going on hospice and getting that quality care can actually extend it. Is there a time period, for example, if someone had told me, and correct me if I'm wrong, if 
there's a patient whose life expectancy is less than two years from a particular disease, dementia, you know, cancer, heart disease, is that when they're eligible? No, the actual Medicare requirement is if the condition that you have progresses as expected, they expect you to have a life expectancy of six months. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we hear about people who get off that multiple rounds of chemo, they come on to hospice, they're not having that kind of treatment, their body does so much better, it rebounds, they far exceed that six months, they could be on hospice for years, but they have a slower decline and much better quality of life. So imagine that you're going on hospice to extend your life, that can happen, but not if you come at the very last moment. And you see that happen a lot? A lot. I think people see hospice as where you go to die. Mm -hmm. We see it as a place where you go to make the most of every moment you have left. So you decide how many moments you're going to have left, um, you know, fighting the disease versus enjoying the time that you have left. How did you get involved in hospice? Well, I had never heard of hospice until 2003 when a family member of mine had that care came home and so when you think about you know you've lived a good life you've tried to do everything that you can to make the most of your life and then you get to the end and you die hooked up to machines on an emergency room in an emergency room Mm -hmm. not in the comfort of your home surrounded by your family holding your hand like Barbara Bush Mm -hmm. for example and none of us wants that we all want to be in the comfort of our home with our family on our terms Um, So that's what we did. We brought our loved one home. It was in the Mm -hmm. family room. Everyone had moments alone to have conversations. It was loving. We had the support of the hospice team. I was blown away. Mm -hmm. And then all these years later, when I decided to step away from news after 31 years, um, wanted to be home at night because my kids are now in high school and Mm -hmm. they're going off to college soon. So I really wanted to have those evenings with them. I went back to hospice and had a conversation with um, the executive director and it's such a beautiful mission and I was ready for a really beautiful mission and I also knew how it had helped our family. It's surprising how many people at Hospice the Valley have been touched by hospice, even our volunteers, and now they are part of that family. You call, what do you call your workers at hospice? You're looking for their angel wings? Uh, I think they have wings under their clothes. I've worked closely with them because as a concierge doctor, I I am the last doctor with them. I sign their death certificates and and I really try to push to, let's see, you know, it's a good idea. Let's consider hospice as we're doing this. And and a lot of times family goes, no, we don't want to look like we gave up. I said, you're not giving up. You're actually being more proactive. So, you know, because a lot of my patients, they don't want to die in a hospital or a nursing home. They want to die at home. And I said, let's make that happen in a very peaceful, dignified way. I want you to have no pain. I want you to have no pain. I want you to have everything you know, you're all, your finished business, all completed, and be really at peace in those last moments. And I've been so impressed because the, the, whenever we put in the call to hospice, they they respond right away. Uh, they send a caseworker out, manager out to meet with the family. They tour the facility or the tour of the house. They get the right beds, the equipment, uh, the pain medicines. Are, they show them how to administer pain medicines so there's no suffering, there's no anxiety. And I think they educate the family. Oh, yes. And that gives them peace of mind. And, you know, we're kind of unique because we're the first hospice and, and, and the largest in Arizona that we are able to provide 24-7 care. So no other hospice has nurses on duty 24-7. So if you're at home and there's a crisis at 2 in the morning, you're still supported. And that's what I love about our agency is that 
you're not ever alone, no matter what time it is, even if it's Christmas morning. Yeah. And usually they like to pass around the holidays. <laughs> but I think it's, that's been such a comfort to me as their doctor, because I will go visit them. But I said, well, how's hospice been here? And they go, oh, they've got these wonderful nurses coming in. The nurses have called me. This is what how so-and-so is doing. You know, this is what I said. And a lot of times I'll say, well, what type of meds do you like to give in your, you know, that you've used in hospice? So they'll really, they'll guide me. And because, you know, I don't act, I don't, you know, in the, not, you know, my job is to keep them alive. But, but part of it is understanding and learning from them what, what's working. But you know, in, in your time working with hospice, what has surprised you the most about them? Well, I think what I didn't realize was how holistic it is, how there's a whole team that is taking care of you. Uh, if you're spiritually distressed, and then after, then there's a, a chaplain for you, or a Native American dancer mm -hmm. that comes to your mm -hmm. bedside, or a rabbi, whatever it is. And it, there's the medical support, and there's the social support from the social worker. And then after the loved one passes, there's 13 months of bereavement for the family members. Wow. Why 13 months? Because that first year anniversary is oh, really tough. That's so true. My aunt passed away Easter Sunday, and her family in the Filipino culture, they gather on the anniversary. They ha go to church, go to the cemetery. So you complete the, you know, the milestones of the first year. As the listeners out there, as they're listening to this, what message would you like them to remember about hospice? To not be afraid of it and do it at the very last moment because it doesn't help the patient have quality of life if they come and they're so close to death. It's still there for the family. But if the patient were to have that care for months ahead of time, that peace of mind, that understanding, having some control over what's happening to you, that's all within your reach. Great. Wonderful, wonderful message. Thanks so very much, Lynn Oh, Sue. thank you for thank having Thank you me. from Hospice of the Valley, and we're going to a break, and we'll be back soon to talk about how to complete the final chapter in our life with grace. We're not done yet with life. Stand by. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? 
Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. As I mentioned in our first part of our show, our theme is finishing life, finishing the final chapter, and making sure we do it with peace and grace. And many of us realize that we still have a lot of living to do before the final chapter ends. And we think back to former First Lady Barbara Bush, who we're honoring today. She lived to the ripe old age of 92. She was married for 73 years to President George Herbert Walker Bush. And those are two major achievements in her life. And she had, when you look back, a full, productive, busy life. She impacted so many lives in that time period. And she aged gracefully on her own terms in her own feisty way and she ta- she died peacefully and even though you know we we talked we've talked about hospice i believe she had her form of hospice there uh, i've known that they have private nursing that they've hired so there was somebody at the bedside in addition to her husband holding her hand but as she became more debilitated there was somebody there she had access to very good care and excellent care uh, at the bedside so Barbara Bush really taught us not only how to die, but she taught us how to live. And we're going to talk a little bit more about living here. It's never too late to age gracefully and to learn in your later years how to be creative and to share your wisdom. You're never, no such thing as an old student, okay? You're always learning. And I think our next guest is an example of that. Uh, we're, for, we're very blessed to have in studio author Jane Weicker. And, you know, it's funny, we have to give your age. You don't look 82 years old, my dear. You look way younger than that. Uh, Jane is our guest today to share her book entitled Soul Selfish, The Awakening of a Good Girl. And it's her first book. She wrote it when she was 80. 
She shares the vast experience of her 47-year inner journey, working in over a dozen different disciplines. She had the courage and faith to follow the guidance of many teachers and ultimately her own soul. Um, now 82 and still learning, she models a life prioritizing happiness that sources from within. She's a graduate of Cornell University, a former elementary school teacher. She was a pioneer in parent education, opening her parents' school in the 1970s. This led to her 29-year family counseling practice that dealt with marriage, parenting, self-development, career, and loss. Uh, she's presented to seminars to Fortune 500 companies, helped employees balance their work and family lives. I met her through my ministry uh, Reverend Richard Mirage from Unity Phoenix. I'm so blessed to, to have her in studio today. So, so thank you, Jane, for being here today. Well, thank you, Connie. It's such a pleasure to be here. You, you have, uh, have a very interesting book. I've enjoyed reading it. It's sort of your journey through life. First of all, tell me, tell me where you got the title of your book. Well, it just came to me. Uh, I meditate every day, and it came to me through meditation. And uh, it's puzzled me because selfish and soul didn't fit together for me. And when I thought more about it, I realized that we have two levels within us, and one is our ego self, and one is our soul. And the ego self is where we uh, are conditioned behaviors, and when we learn with our parents and our social life and our society and our friends. Uh, but we're born with a seed plan called our soul, which is our authentic self. And um, through life, we develop as young children at the effect of our parents who developed at the effect of their parents and their parents and their parents. And so it's multi-generational conditioning and much of that conditioning is very much in the service of our best interest, but some of it isn't. And uh, there some of the teachings that we acquire um, hinder us and we go through life and we just live the roles that we take on as children because uh, ch as children, then we are dependent. We're dependent physically, we're dependent emotionally. So we want to be approved of and we want to be loved and we want attention and we sense in our parents how to get that. So I took on the role of good girl. Uh, my brother was a very bad boy and while he got good <laughs> attention, lots more attention than I did, it wasn't the kind of attention <laughs> I wanted. So I became a good girl and very obedient and very giving and very considerate of everyone. And I carried that as we all do carry our roles uh, through our life until we question them. And uh, there are many roles that aside from good girl and bad boy. There's the artsy person or the brain or the jock or the there's so many roles and uh, whatever the role until we break through that by going inside and seeing what's really true for us uh, beyond that role uh, then we're kind of stuck. Well what drove you to to examine that? Was there something in your life that said listen you know I'm tired of being the good girl this isn't me? I mean was there something that happened? Well, that, yes I mean living a role is so limiting that eventually you become very very uncomfortable with yourself and uncomfortable with the choices you're making because life is an inside-out process and so what we believe uh, creates our feelings and what feelings create our choices and our choices create our actions and when we see that we're limiting ourselves, eventually some of us, hopefully more of us, which was one of the purposes of my book, are willing to look inside and say, well, hey, what's going on with me? 
And uh, so I've been involved in this long journey uh, and wrote this book because it was such a fascinating journey. And even more important than how fascinating it was, it was such an effective journey to rid myself of the barriers and the limitations that I chose as a little girl and didn't even know that I did that. Was there one thing that said, okay, I'm going to write the book now? Because at 80, you said you wrote your first book. Yeah. Well, what happened was that through, through my meditation, I would get here, I would hear intuition, write a book, write a book. I was quite resistant because I didn't see myself as a writer. But okay, one day I sat down and I started to write and it was so fun. I had such a good time writing and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote for two years until it was done. And it was, it was one of the great pleasures of my life. Tell us, share with us three major points, lessons that you can from your book. One is the willingness to receive, that we're all taught to give and give and do and give and give. And uh, I, I like to analogize this to breathing because we don't only exhale, we also inhale to replenish ourselves. And we need to replenish ourselves and we need to receive and we need to give to ourselves and we need to graciously receive from other people. And the more that we learn to receive graciously from other people, the more happy they are to give to us. So it's a wonderful cycle where the giver is very happy, the receiver is very happy, which creates more giving. Uh, and yet many, many women especially who are taught to give and give and take care and do and good girls like I was um, would fend off giving, you know, because I, oh, I can do that. No, thanks. I, I can take care of that. Or uh, sometimes they'll hear women when they get a compliment, oh, you look beautiful today. Oh, but my hair, it, my hair needs a cut. <laughs> or <laughs> No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, it's like learning how to receive the pleasure yeah. that, that is available to you and to flourish in that pleasure. You know, that's, I think it's fascinating how you bring that up. I mean, as you, do you mentor other women or young girls about this? Well, I had a 29-year family counseling practice and, uh, and women's groups. And uh, I, yes, I did a lot of that. And moms especially, I hear so often from moms, when's it going to be my turn? And my answer to that is, when you say so. Right. Did you speak up with you, that? Yes. You know, I look at Barbara Bush, and, and you talk about... Uh, the soul selfish and the awakening of a good girl. It's really about being authentic it's and your true self, right? Your true authentic self. But it takes some work to yeah. find that authentic self Who's because that we have so many acts and so many teachings that we have never questioned. And so the book is about my questioning and how that freed me to live as, as a vibrant person on my own terms. Now I look at you, you, you don't look 82. You look fabulous, you're very active physically, mentally. How are you gonna keep you know, this going for the next 10, 20 years? What do you see yourself doing? Just the way I'm doing, I listen every day into myself and well, what, what is it that I'm interested in? What do I wanna learn? Um, how do I wanna grow? Because I think growth is so much about life force and if you're not looking to grow, then you can you can coast for a while, but then you're going to go down. And uh, I think that learning is so important and finding what you love to do, being with people that you love to be with, 
uh, traveling to get different perspectives on life and to see how different cultures live and how that impacts you. And I had a great experience with my husband, Bob. Uh, we went on a trip, and he, we had such a good time. And he said, so where would you like to go? And I said, I'd love to go to Argentina. And why? Well, I'd love to learn the tango, and let's, let's go to Argentina. So we learned the tango before we went to Argentina. I loved Argentina and came back and have been doing dancing lessons ever since, six years now, that we just dance. And it brings so much joy and fun. We've met so many people of all ages and all cultures, and it's, it's just such an enriching way to live. I think that's wonderful. And you discovered love later in life, didn't you? Yes, I, my first marriage, uh, I, I had a divorce that I chose when I was 40, and I married 10 years later a man that I was one of my best friends when I was 23. And so we've been together for 32 years, and it's been just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And you're a good mom, good, wonderful yes. grandmother with a, a little four-month-old grands- yes. grandchild. Tell us about, can you tell us advice about being a good mom? Oh, yeah. What Children are born, as I said, we all have a soul, it's our seed plant, just like a flower will grow into itself the way it's supposed to be. A rose will become a rose. Children are born with talents, and children are born with personalities, and they need to be nurtured, and they need to be heard. And rather than direct my children, I listened to them as much as I possibly could. Of course, I laid down rules when it came to safety and health and schoolwork and responsibility. But other than that, I listened to what they wanted and what, what they wanted to do with music, what they wanted to do with sports, what they were, had, which friends they had, where they wanted to go. And I am so proud of each of them because each one is so different from the other. Four totally different personalities, different lives that they've chosen. And it's so enriching to me to see that and to share in that. So one of them is very into sports and he'll bring me to a sporting event. Another is into film, he'll bring me to. Another is very interested in uh, juvenile justice and criminal justice and I've learned so much about what's happening with that. And another is a great tennis player and very great marketer and computer whiz. And she helps me with all the things that I need to learn on the computer, which are endless. But see, you opened that up for them. You gave them the fruitful, fertile ground in which to to blossom. Oh, and they have. And they have. And their children are blossoming. And and that's another thing, to, to have your family come back to you and be such beautiful people and know that you are a part of it but that they, again, I receive from them the wonderful gifts that they have to offer me now. You know, as you look at, we all deal with the final chapter if we live long enough. Tell us how you feel about finding peace in, the, in that last chapter. Uh, I've, I think that spiritual life is a very, very important part of life. And whatever, whatever faith or whatever practice that I so encourage people to do that because just to sit quietly every day and listen to your inner self or to be nourished and fed by whatever faith ministers, rabbis, whatever that you are drawn to, uh, that 
brings you to your soul, and your soul is your authentic place. That's the place that brings you joy. That's the place that brings you love. That's the place that can bring to others your joy and love. And the more rooted you are in your soul, which requires being still some of the time, the, the voice of the ego is so loud and so busy that it takes some practice to be able to find space or to choose space every day to just sit and be and just listen to yourself or listen to the quiet or listen and feel what the quiet feels like. And I, I think that has given me so much peace and so much happiness and, and somehow a knowing that whenever it is my time that I will, I will have the faith and the ability to, to just pass when it's my time. You know, you've given such great words of advice. We live in such a busy, peripatetic world. We're bombarded and distracted that we don't even hear that inner voice. We don't even connect with our soul. A lot of people don't believe there's a soul. And I think just to be still and quiet in the now, you know, you talk about that voice, that inspiration, your muse, the inner. Yes. And that's when we find we're quiet and still and not distracted that we hear that. And that brings us great joy, doesn't it? It brings us great joy and great peace and comfort, yeah. and great comfort. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned. We, we, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back to wrap up the final chapter. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building, yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time 
on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I want to thank our guest, Jane Weicker, for being on our show today to share her insight about flourishing in the last chapter in life, but really a lot about her book, Soul Selfish, The Awakening of a Good Girl, and how I love how you say the happiness is really an inside job. You feel it here. You determine, listen to your soul. You focus on meditation. How can the audience get a copy of your book, Jane? Amazon.com. And I'd also love it if you go to my website. I have many blogs there and ways that you can see how you can be supported in becoming soul selfish. Great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you being on the show. You made me think a lot about uh, the next chapter in life. And I, I was doing some research. There was a New York Times article written uh, about a week ago by Jane Brody, who writes a lot about aging. And one of the things that that I, I had learned. She said a quarter of American women who are age 65 are expected to live into their 90s. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying I'm one of the, you know, the quarter of women who makes it into their 90s. And I'm hoping that because my dad is now 93 and a half. My mother almost made it to 90. And I look at my father who, uh, whose brother is 92 and his other brother is 85. So we've got a lot of longevity there. So it'd be nice to be a, a feisty 90 plus year old lady. <laughs> And there were two women, Jane Giddon and Ellen Cole, wrote a book entitled 70 Candles. Uh, in this, it really came about as a blog. It wasn't really definitive research, but they put a blog out there and people, ladies posted on it. And they gathered in different cities with groups of women who are in or near their 70s. And they asked them all these questions about their lives and aging and their experiences and their advice. And the authors reported that women seemed to fear retirement before they were actually retired. And then when they were retired, they found there was all these opportunities that developed. Several of them also warned against rushing into too many volunteer activities. They got too busy. Uh, they suggested the retirees take their time to explore what might, might be most meaningful, so they should meditate, definitely should meditate, uh, from taking art classes and music lessons, and then in your case, writing a book. Uh, also important of women of, as they age are social connections. I find that so important uh, that you connect really with other women. You know, I love those groups. I go on my gal pal getaways. I do lunch with my women friends to stay connected because they really find that was their greatest source of support and comfort are your women friends. And the other thing I really love reading was for men as, as well as women is to think about 
being positive about aging, just being positive, your whole attitude. Once again, what Jane said, an inside job, right? And be positive. There was a 2002 study done by epidemiologists at Yale that found that individuals with more positive self-perceptions about aging measured up to 23 years longer. In other words, they lived longer, uh, lived 7.5 years longer than those with less positive perceptions. So they're embracing their aging instead of aging against raging, right? You can't mm. stop it. And I always believe, you know, every day is a gift. Embrace it. What am I meant to do in this life? Every day, thank you for this gift of, of this day. And I look back again at, at Mrs. Barbara Bush, and I really think she epitomized someone who thought positively of aging. You know, she didn't change the color of her hair. She turned gray prematurely when Robin passed away. She didn't change it. She had her signature style of the, that, that silver hair, her pearls. That's who she was. She wasn't going to change that. And, and she, she aged gracefully then. She, she encompassed that, so much so. And so really, as I look back at our themes of hospice, and, and I think of the one message I, I would put out there to my fellow physicians, that when you write a prescription for hospice, you are actually helping heal. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody gets totally cured. There are no cures. We're just delaying death. I mean, death is the inevitable. But if we can allow comfort and support to the patient and their families, and I think a lot of it's the fear. Fear that, oh, what if I did it wrong? You know, fear of pain. How can we do that? You know, and hospice really brings you a network of people to come into your home, to know you, to work with you. It doesn't mean you're going to die as a result of it. It means you're, gonna, you're going to be pain-free. You're going to be ushered into the next life. And that's where your faith comes in, that we're not done. You know, we're perhaps done with our mortal life. But there's another life ahead of us that, you know, and Barbara Bush even commented on that. One of the quotes that I laughed about when I, I saw it in the paper was uh, in that she talked about uh, dying. And she said, I've had so much medical procedures done, I don't think the good Lord would recognize me. You know, but her soul would be her soul, right? Our souls are the same no matter how much we've done to our bodies. So. I think back and, and I think of her again, uh, she's very present here in my mind as I think of this, but I, I want my listeners who have family members who have uh, illnesses and disease that there really is no cure, maybe we're delaying it, but look at their quality of life, look at their comfort level, look at their anxiety, their pain, really ask your doctor, please could, you know, can we call hospice? And for doctors out there, it doesn't mean you failed as a doctor. You're we're going to help these patients to ask hospice to come in to do some work with these patients and to help them, and a lot of times their family, because I've really been impressed by just the relationships from the people who go there and befriend the nurses and the doctors and, and the social workers and, and the people who are there at the time of someone's passing over. So. Um, it's really, you know, how we spend each day, and and it's and I talk we talk often about mindfulness, appreciating every moment, rather than be so fixated on the you know the future. I'm worried about this or beating ourselves over the past. We, what escapes us is the beauty of the moment. So, with that, I want to wrap up the show and and invite our guests to to spend a moment of silence and peace and and wish good things for the Bush family as they celebrate Barbara Bush's life this weekend. So God bless you all out there, and we'll, we'll be talking with you in a month. Take care.
Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-569-3238. That's 800-569-3238. Again, 800 569 